The following is a conversation between myself and WMBF Pro Brett Freeman. That is my best impersonation of the Lex Friedman podcast. Brett is a two-time WMBF Pro World Champion. He most recently won his class at the 2019 World Championships in New York, where I had the opportunity to sit and chat with Brett, where I had also competed as an amateur. Brett is a really cool and down-to-earth guy and a great natural bodybuilder. We had a conversation all about his journey to the stage from when he first began as an 18 year old up to his last contest prep in 2019 we also spoke about his time off from the stage his multiple contest preps what he's done differently and also how he approached his off season and his most recent contest prep sit back and enjoy or uh, go for a walk and enjoy this podcast whatever you do when you listen to podcasts and if you do have any questions uh, please reach out to myself or brett our social media handles are down in the show notes if you do enjoy this podcast please do leave a rating and review and as always if you want to find out more about coaching with myself you can check that in the show notes or go to healthmastery.co so without further ado let's get into this podcast with brett freeman brett my man good to have you on the podcast thank you for having me thank you yeah, and I know we were supposed to do this, or we did do this, uh, probably 11 months ago, and I kind of cocked up a little bit on the technical side. I don't actually know what happened, but um, the, there was some sort of lag where it just wasn't audible at all whatsoever, so I appreciate you coming back on, man. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure, and, uh, actually, but thank you again for yeah. having me. You probably have a little bit more energy. Actually, both of us probably have a little bit more energy since the last time it was about, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks after the WMBF Worlds, uh, and we both had fairly long seasons, and uh, I think we're just a little bit more fed. You don't actually look like you have that much more body weight in your face. I certainly do. I take that as a compliment. That's usually where <laughs> the body fat was, so winning. Yes. Yeah, I actually noticed um, for me that my body fat, like or at least after the show I did like look like I had a really puffy face and then it kind of normalized and my body weight didn't really change but I uh, people thought I was getting leaner but actually just my I guess my hormones are balancing a little bit more and I just have better body fat distribution that a normal body fat distribution compared to just like a big hamster face do you, do you get that as well <laughs> yeah every every season but this 2019 season is a little more even, I would say. Whereas yeah. previous seasons, it all went to the midsection. This time, distributed about evenly. Yeah, that, it's interesting how body fat distribution can change. I, or like, I remember my legs used to never be like that lean, ever. Um, and this season, it seemed like they, or after this, or last contest season, my legs stayed a bit leaner. And they kind of have stayed leaner the whole time um, than, than the rest of my body. Uh, not that it makes any difference. It's all got to come off anyway, but it's just interesting how, how that can change. No, definitely. And I was polar opposite. Legs were lean. Midsection looked 60 weeks out. So, Brett, I wanted to uh, chat a little bit today about how your or your how you kind of got into bodybuilding. I know when I first started following bodybuilding or start, start reading about it online and I talked to Alberto about this as well was on the uh, bodybuilding.com forums and I know that you were kind of I don't, I don't know if you posted on the forums or you just kind of appeared in some logs but I, I do remember your 
I think you have the same handle or you did have the same handle as you do for Instagram, right? I do. Yes. Yep. So, so tell me, how did you get into bodybuilding then? And when did you get into bodybuilding? Oh man. So I believe it was, it was around my sophomore year in high school. I was playing football and the coaches always had us weight train after practice. And I was one of the weakest kids on that team. So I started to research how to get stronger. And I just so happened to stumble upon the bodybuilding.com forums. This was around 2007. I started to research, educate myself on how to properly lift back then. And then I just started to track my workouts on the forums. And then I ended up kind of switching gears around 2008 to more bodybuilding, powerlifting style training. And that was when I made a, I believe I made a log in the contest prep section on bodybuilding.com. And uh, Brad Loomis actually was one of the first uh, 3DM coaches that found my workout log. And then he ended up getting Berto, Eric, and Todd, who used to be a family friend, uh, still is a family friend of Berto, Eric, and Brad. And they started watching my progress around 2008. And then I remember training legs one night at a gym down the street from my house, and I saw a poster hanging up on the wall as I was exiting. And I ripped it off. Took it home, went to the bodybuilding.com forums, uh, typed in the question like, do you guys think this is a good idea? I'm 18, never competed before. How would I do? Am I going to embarrass myself? And then I ended up getting a PM, which is a private <laughs> personal message back then, <laughs> from Father Flex. And he asked if he could you know, join in on the journey and it would be pro bono. And it was history from then on. <laughs> so Father Flex is Alberto Nunez, who's probably like not that much older than you for anybody listening. It just sounds a little bit kind of strange. Father Flex just, sounds like Father Christmas just PM'd you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Seriously, right? And it was, that was back when um, Berto was dieting under Lane Norton. And he was pushing the conditioning to levels that we have not seen before. And as a teenager, I'm like, holy, like, that's realistic. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's like uh, Dr. Joe was Lane Norton's coach originally. And then Lane like, started to coach Alberto. I'm not sure if he coached Eric, but he coached Paul Ravella as well. And then they started coaching people. It's like <laughs> you can trace it back almost like ancestrally to like Dr. Joe. No, definitely. It's, it's like crazy when you think about the family tree and how it just, it almost all starts at Dr. Joe, who I believe was one of the first coaches to start online mm. training. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he was. And as far as I can remember from reading back, he was, I'm not sure if he was still doing a lot of coaching. I, I, kind of, I know he does still do a little bit of coaching, but I don't know. I think he was kind of finishing up his coaching and moving into like more education at that stage. Lane Norton was really big when I started reading about bodybuilding. I think that might have been around 2009, maybe maybe earlier than that, 2008. 
I, I don't know, a long time ago at this stage. Um, so, so after your, you competed in that first show, and, or did you compete in that first show? I did, yes. I competed as a Bantamweight, a teen, and got whooped in the overall. <laughs> <laughs> so was that a, a WMBF show? I'm sure it was called something else back then, but was it associated with that, or what kind of organization? Was it a, a drug-tested show? It was a natural drug-tested organization. Um, at the time, it was a USBF show, which was an affiliate with the OCB. Okay. The following year, it ended up changing over to the OCB. Mm. And and how many shows have you done since then? Or was that kind of the initial? Was that the kind of an initial ignition for your bodybuilding career? Did you fall in love with it after you you did that, or what made you want to kind of do more? No, that was definitely the itch. Just the the entire contest prep process. It was that that was the seller for me, and. After that, I ended up competing in 2011. As far as how many shows, I believe I've done around 12 in total. Is that 12 shows across how many seasons? Like how many competitive seasons have you done? Four total competitive seasons, 2009, 2011, a failed contest prep in 2013. And then I returned in 2017 and 2019. So 2017 and 2019, correct me if I'm wrong, they were your like pro seasons, right? So tell us a little bit about your kind of season where you won your pro card and then what happened with that failed contest season. Uh, I'll start with 2013 first. 2013, I kind of had quite a bit of momentum going from the previous off seasons. Strength was at an all-time high. Uh, tissue gain was at an all-time high. And I ended up, um, hiring Matt Jane, who, in my opinion, is a great coach. He is currently one of the one of the top IFBB coaches currently, and he coached kind of influenced how I coached later down in life. But the main reason why it was a failed contest prep is I had too many things going on. I was going to school full time, working two jobs, trying to get a relationship going. Who is my wife currently now. So in hindsight, I don't regret stopping that contest prep. And then in 2017, um, after six years removed from the stage, I had two years in a row off from around 2014 to 2016. I didn't really train too much. Maybe one to two times per week. Nutrition was entirely off. So from 2016 to 2017, I was basically trying to regain the lost strength and tissue that I potentially had lost during that time. And my 2017 prep was all intuitive. It was kind of like a, a roll of the dice, like, like, let's see how I can do. If I can still stack up, if I can still present a physique that is halfway decent and not embarrassing. And so I dieted, I, I would say I recomped from January to around April-ish. And then I didn't really start putting myself into a deficit until around May, June-ish, where I had the um, IMBF Natural Mania as the main target, which was a show that I last competed at in 2011, where I was completely embarrassed. 
So I wanted to return to that show as a bantamweight, hopefully improved, and see if I can place within that top five again. And, and how did you do at that, that season? I won the bantamweight class at the 2017 National and ended up winning the overall. And then you win your pro card, right? Is that, or is that how you win your pro card? Yeah, a recipient of the pro card. Now, it used to be that the Natural Mania used to be a super pro qualifier. So um, if the class had more than, I believe, eight competitors, the winner of that weight class received their WMBF pro card. Okay. And why was it that you were, like, worried about embarrassing yourself that season? What was your, like, off-season like before that where you – like, how did you recomp? Obviously, as a natural, it's not something that usually happens unless you're detrained. Did you take time off from the gym, or were you focusing on other other stuff? Yeah, I I, I started to prioritize life. I, I was mentally burnt out from 2011. 2011 was a huge toll. I my father had passed while I was contest prepping, so I still pushed through that. In hindsight, stupid idea, and then. From my job in 2013, I kind of fell out of love with the process because I was gunning for a pro card all up in my head as opposed to actually enjoying the nature of, you know, bodybuilding. And so from 2014 to 2016, I started to prioritize things outside of bodybuilding, put it on the back burner, and it just so happened that I stopped training. And so in that 2017 season when you were kind of just getting back into bodybuilding style training and, and recommitting yourself. Do you feel that you made a lot of progress from the previous season or was it, do you think it was just kind of showing up at the right time? And did that kind of deload, I suppose, mental deload or physical deload even across those couple of years that it, did it provide any benefit to your physique? I think when I compare my 20, how I looked in 2013 to 2017, there was, a marginal amount of improvement. I think it was mainly just regaining the lost tissue that I did have and just presenting it with, you know, muscle maturity to mm. a certain extent. So maybe a bit more refined 2013 version that I brought in 2017. And I do, I, I always think it's the draw when you do compete. It all depends who shows up. Yeah. That, that's the thing about bodybuilding. It could be anybody who shows up on the day, and if if someone's not there, um, you know, a different person will win. Kind of like the Olympia last year, right, with uh, Brandon Curry, like in a, in a hard year. Yeah. He, he, he would be lucky to crack top five, I'd say. Um, but so, so yeah, how, how did that, how did your 2017 season compare to your, your last season? I, I guess your 2019 season was a pretty successful. I don't, I don't know, maybe the most successful season for you. You did fairly well in terms of placements. And obviously, you brought a, a, a crazy look to the stage. You're probably the most uh, or the leanest person at the, the WMBF world, which is a you know, huge accolade. It's not an award, but it's, a, you know, from visual <laughs> perspective, you know, you, you probably were one of the leanest. Thank you. I think Brandon Kemper deserves that award, but... Um... <laughs> He was very lean as well. Um, but in regards to 2019 and 2017, they were, I approached them very similar, although 2019 a bit more extreme because 
I felt as if I had a target on my back, so to say. And I feel as if I left a, a lot on the table in 2017 because to be honest with you, I, I'm not so sure about my uh, world title in 2017. Just being a fan of the sport and being very, very, very critical and self-aware, I'm not so sure I may have deserved that win, but apples and oranges, I suppose. So in 2019, I wanted to take a, a I, I still took a very passive approach in regards to prioritizing things outside of life. So family came first, work came first, and then it was, you know, the, the bodybuilding side hobby. Mm. So, so, um, like what, with regards to say your, your body weight and how you looked in, in 2017, 2019, it's actually, I don't think I've seen pictures from you from 2017, but did you have an improved physique or, or, or what changed from the, the actual outcome from both preps? Improved physique, definitely, I would say. I, in regards to the actual stage weight, I was lighter in 2019, but a, a bit more muscle tissue. Mm. 2017, I competed. I, I believe I weighed in at 146 or 147. And then for 2019 Worlds, I was around 143, 144, but with much improved conditioning. Mm. So did you compete in different classes in 20? Uh, 2017, 2019, different weight classes? Yes, in uh, 2017, I was, I competed in the Bantamweight class. And then my first pro show, pro shows tend to not have weight classes due to the amount of competitors. And then in, at 2017 Worlds, they lumped all the Bantamweights and lightweights together. So there was around 20 to 30 lightweight and Bantamweights all up on stage. And then 2019, um, my first pro show of that year was one weight class. So I had to go up against Jeff Alberts, Sam Akinala. And then my second pro show of 2019, again, no weight classes. I ended up having to go against Garino Mackey, who is a world-class athlete. But then 2019, as you know, WMBF worlds didn't really tell us if there were going to be a bantamweight lightweight middleweight heavyweight class until the night of okay that yeah it was strange strange the way they kind of did that in 2017 where they just lumped them all together with like 30 competitors you think if they had like even eight in the class they would make it their own class uh but but you've obviously you obviously beat everybody so it seems like then between 2017 and and 2019 you obviously had a a fairly productive offseason right Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I, I kind of contribute that to not attempting to reverse and stay too lean post-show and taking more of a recovery diet approach. Mm. So, so what exactly did you do? If you competed at say 147 how, or 145, how, how much over your body weight or your stage weight did you get? Within the first two weeks, I put on around, so I, came right back up to around 155 to 160. Hmm. And then from there on, I slowly trickled my way upwards. Yeah, so you felt that that was obviously, if you'd gained some significant tissue 
in those two years, you, you, you found that that was obviously beneficial for you. How, how did your training or, or, you know, training or diet in general approach that to those two change from your say 2013 to 2017? Um, obviously you weren't as, as lax a days or maybe that's not the correct word, but your focus is maybe more on bodybuilding and um, how did it change? Oh, changed big time. So pre-17, I was pro if it fits your macros, which in hindsight, terrible, <laughs> terrible approach to take. So it was always weighing Pop-Tarts. And then I trained in more of a powerlifting fashion. So I never, I never trained with reps below, I would say six. And then after the 2017 season where I started to um, educate myself on actual proper, you know, meal timing and meal composition and how it actually impacts and influences training performance and just how it visually affects us. I brought that over into my 20, 2018 off season and then into my 2019 season where I took much more of a, your typical bodybuilding approach, kind of backed off a little bit on the powerlifting Hmm. that's interesting yeah it's uh it, it is uh interesting to see kind of the two camps of people i i, I don't know if it's that big anymore but i uh, if it fits your macros and obviously you know calories in and calories out is not a, a style of dieting it's just you know it's a it's just an underlying kind of <laughs> physiological thing and um, but when you talk about if it fits your macros, I understand what you're saying in terms of you just probably ate like a child most of the time. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was. Oh look at these! I can eat these yeah. sulky charms and almost get str- shredded glutes, but then I'm deficient in micronutrients. So yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting. Like the how much like different properties and like plants and other foods that we probably don't even really know that much about can affect our uh you know effective performance how we feel um and you know these things do show up when you're looking at like genomic testing transcriptomics and all these things like proteomics when you they do tests on our our urine and and everything you can see traces of the the or elements of the the food properties that you've had and often bodybuilders kind of overlook that and i think it's 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 important to have a kind of a married approach where you're not you're not doing the very like bro style where all you're eating is uh you know chicken broccoli and rice and then doing super huge cheat meals but at the same time not going the complete opposite direction and eating cocoa pops for breakfast and post training and you know jelly babies and things like that all the time it's uh you know uh, you know, more of a f- more of a flexible a flexible kind of meal plan rather than uh but, but focusing on good quality food most of the time think is it that's the approach that i like to take so I, I still do enjoy eating my junk from from time to time oh no definitely definitely and i i think it needs to be something that's somewhat healthy and then sustainable in the long term but mm. not too restrictive to the point that it causes you to either want to binge or overeat yeah i think that's the, the biggest problem with uh like trying to eat too say too perfect is just not the fact that that's actually a problem it's just the fact that it can cause you to just binge <laughs> and that does become a problem no big time big time so so so, so then tell me for your 2019 season um 
you said that you had a, a much improved physique as well in terms of just your conditioning. What changed there in terms of even from the previous prep? That was like I know your off season changed, but how did your approach differ, or was it that you just dieted for longer to get leaner? I think I started off 2019 with a bit more momentum in regards to where I was able to build up calories in total along with strength, possibly regained or added a bit more tissue. And then in regards to, to the actual length of the contest prep, I was, a, I was a lot more strategic in how I conducted it. So I, I didn't gun it linearly. I implemented tons of refeeds, tons of diet breaks just to maximize and ensure that I wasn't losing any training performance while in the gym. Mm. And then also not running, running myself too flat for uh, too many consecutive weeks. Mm. So how, how, how much was your body weight above uh, your stage weight of 142 um, when you actually began the prep? 37 pounds. So I, I started 2019 around 180, 182. Mm. That's, actually, that's actually a decent amount for somebody who competes at 142. Um, like, yeah, I think, I think I started my prep at maybe 205 and ended up 175, but I'm like, I'm five foot 11, you know? So like, I'm not sure what tight you are, but you're smaller than I am, but obviously you are, you've got a, a lighter stage weight cause you're shorter as well. Um, so, so is that an approach that you felt benefited you? Do you think that you need to get that heavy or was it just, you did get that heavy from being having a long off season or, or would you change that in the, from, you know, in the future? It was a mixture of both. I had a preconceived thought that it might be beneficial just due to being able to recover better, handle mm -hmm. more possible load in the gym. But looking back on it, it just due to the actual length of the diet, I, I do believe I may have lost a bit of tissue on the way down and yeah. it only it only made prep more long, to be honest. Yeah. And, and I know you said like just before we talked about uh, just before we went on air that you don't like the term like suffer. Um, but obviously the prep does get difficult uh, when you're getting very, very lean. And have you, have you found that over the years or over the preps, you've been able to kind of endure uh, lower calorie diets and fatigue um, better than you were in the past? Is that, you know, does, is that attributable to your ability to get lean? Because obviously when you're getting super lean, um, a lot of that's mental, right? It's all mental in all honesty. And I, I dislike the term suffering, but I, I think it's being able to actually deal and be okay with being hungry and just dealing with the negative side effects that do come with prolonged deficits. Now, every single season, I, I, I wasn't perfect. Like I, I, in my 2019 season, I didn't have too many negative side effects, but in 2009, I ended up having a terrible relationship with food, tons of food focus, uh, lethargy, poor sleep and body image issues or body dysmorphia 2011 some of the side effects went away but still i mean poor sleep etc cetera, etc cetera. 2017 is where prep started getting a bit more manageable and easier where sleep was the only thing that started to be an issue 2019 yet again sleep was the only issue um but then pushing for that extra bit of conditioning 
there was a bit of, you know, disruption in, you know, actual overall mood, well-being, uh, a little bit more irritability, but nothing that couldn't be managed because in the moment it's, I'm doing this to myself. So there's no reason to be an a-hole to those around me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it, it does get easier the more you, the more often you prep. I've had three seasons actually. That, and funny enough, you mentioned in 2013, you were working with Matt Jansen. And I think I might've mentioned this last year. I actually worked with him my first prep as well, 2013. Uh, I was oh wow yeah I was, tw- I was 21 um, and I did like men's fitness you know that kind of thing where you dance around the stage in these little kind of <laughs> European shorts that are like painted onto you yeah <laughs> I won't be doing that again but that's 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 what I did yeah 20, 20 uh, 21 and uh, I found that it was de- that was definitely my hardest prep and it was my first but also the hardest mentally and 2016 was a little bit harder. Like I had some issues like binging, you know, from time to time, 2016, 2019, then got easier again. But I think some of the, some of the physiological things, you're just never going to go away. Right. If you're just shredded and you're in a like massive energy deficit and you're uh, sub 10% body fat, you're just going to feel like, you know, you have this relative energy deficiency. So you're going to just, you're not going to function properly. So what are your kind of thoughts then for like newer competitors or I know you work with some competitors as well. Do you think that it's just like a rite of passage where like you're not going to get as lean or it's going to be harder when you do the first shows? Or do you think like, like I've never ever seen anybody shredded it. That's like the very first show or, or maybe it's like a needle in a haystack. What are your thoughts on that? Oh man. Um, I think with the amount of research that we have now, just the amount of information, good information that we do have now, I, I do believe hitting that peak of condition is definitely doable for first-time competitors, but just the, the psychological burden that it does put upon them, maybe not taking it to such extremes, just because, just so they don't have a poor taste in their mouth with you know, the aftermath of what it does entail. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think the the element I think of the first of perhaps not being your absolute best, like physically from a first go around is probably in my opinion is, is not being able to, it's not having, having experienced something as difficult for such a prolonged period of time. I mean, it, it I don't want to, make it sound like it's some sort of awful thing i mean obviously it's not too bad if we're going back and doing it every couple of years but it, it is difficult and if you haven't experienced something physically or mentally as persistent and just almost like an, an annoyance it can be hard to deal with and you really do need to be able to like control your emotions when you feel like you know pissed off like you mentioned there you've got better at doing that or or you're hungry like constantly and you're a bit stressed like most people will stress eat or like especially if you're like really lean and just the ability to kind of delay gratification i think just gets better as you get as you get um as you get more experience doing this and that's why like it, it almost gets more enjoyable the longer you do it because you're able to kind of you've, you've experienced what it's like and you know that it's not going to get any worse or you know that like this is, this is, you know, as bad as it can get. And I can deal with this. Uh, it's just a little bit of hunger and you're able to reframe things as well in your mind, like, you know, hunger and mood and, and kind of focus a bit more on, on, you know, 
like you said, you're doing this to yourself. It's not like you're being forcefully starved. No, definitely. And I, I kind of like to relate it to maybe an RPG video game where after every single season or time that you do either diet down or go into an improvement season that you do tend to level up over time and it just becomes a little bit easier to manage Mm. the longer you do do it what's i've never heard of rpg what is that role-playing game (laughs) all right oh like like call of duty or something like that uh, a little bit more nerdier than that. Oh, like <laughs> like, uh, like that movie Role Models, where like the the guy who's McLovin like uses the sword. <laughs> yes, larping, larping. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've never done. I've never done larping before. Um, but but it's some sort of video game larping. Is that what it is? Uh, yes, I, <laughs> I believe larping is. I, I believe larping is when they actually do it in yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never, uh, see, I, I was going to get, um, Christmas is coming up, I was going to get it like the new, or try to get the new Xbox or PlayStation, even though they're all bo- boats all day, but I try not to because I'll just play it all the time, so I, I've never really, like, I mean, there's one of my parents' house, but I, I try not to, uh, try not to buy them because I'll just waste way too much time just getting down a rabbit hole of, of spending hours and hours in uh, video games. <laughs> Yeah, I did that during quarantine for two weeks. I, I went down the Dark Souls franchise rabbit hole, and it was torturous. <laughs> so, so based off of your experience then from the last few preps, uh, what what are you doing this prep? I mean, are you even, do you even have access to a gym anymore? I mean, this off season, do you have access to a gym, or what's the kind of situation at the moment? So, when lockdown did occur, we were pretty much locked down for around four months without the gym the gyms opened up i want to say maybe two three months ago so i ended up using just like everybody else i ended up having a pair of dumbbells used those ended up stopping training because it just wasn't doing it for me at that time but then i ended up kind of piecing together my own home gym in my basement gyms did open back up but just due to the numbers rising my wife's immune system being a bit more compromised uh i decided just to mainly focus at home and is that is that what you're doing still like have gyms open back up i I guess situation is still pretty bad in the u.s right yeah the situation's pretty pretty it's very non-linear but in new york the cases they'll they spike here and there but Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm still training at home Jeff yeah. Alberts style. <laughs> yeah, I was actually looking at his. Uh, he made a video the other day on uh, his home gym. That's that's exactly what I want to do. Uh, is create a home gym with like a proper home gym, not like a you know a set of York dumbbells or whatever, or these like cheap plastic ones. But um, yeah, because it, it just gets really annoying when you have to stop starting. I was making really good progress uh, after the first lockdown here, and then they locked it down again. So it's pretty demotivating when that. So I just want to get like a home gym. I mean. I can't put one in where I live now, but eventually I want to get like a decent home gym and just not worry about it and just train by myself. That would be the, the ideal situation. So what, what would your kind of thoughts about being like your next prep? Do you have any idea of when you'll be prepping again? 
Um, I did get the thumbs up from the wife that I could compete in 2021. We planned on starting our own family, but due to everything that's currently going on, we're postponing that until afterwards. So 2022. So 2021 is looking a bit optimistic, but I'm not 100% positive as of yet, just due to COVID and if shows could potentially be postponed. After witnessing so many shows and clients have to go through, you know, the, the hurdles to actually get on stage, that's a variable that I kind of don't want to deal with. Yeah, I, I guess that, that's another really difficult thing to deal with is, uh, is prepping at home. I don't know what kind of equipment you have, but I know that there's, there's only one natural show here in Ireland. And when the gym's closed, I guess people just pulled out of the show because there's no... No, you you can't really effectively train. I mean, you can, but I mean, you can probably train more effectively in the gym. Like, you know, you've got equipment there and everything like that. So I, I understand people pulling out of shows that they've only got a pair of, you know, two 10-pound dumbbells or five-kilo dumbbells at home. You're not going to really be able to prep that well. Would that be an impact for you or, or a factor, I should say, in your ability to prep? Or do you have, like, pretty pretty decent equipment? I have decent equipment for off-season purposes but I, I I do know as I if I were to prep due to leverages I I do think commercial gym equipment would come in handy mm, yeah it's the exact conversation I had with the client the other day um who trains like in a kind of a basement kind of gym but I said like when you get into prep you're probably going to want to use things like hack squats and smith machines you know back squatting all the time or just you know doing heavy barbell stuff when you're really lean it's just going to be very very fatiguing it's not that it's impossible at all i mean uh there are some i know there's some pros who i can't remember the guy's name he's like a, a bald guy he's a pro wmbf pro middleweight he Le- just trained Le- levi burge yeah he just trains in his like basement or something like that right and he's like a good pro so it's definitely possible it's just easier right yeah it's, it's definitely possible but again is easier <laughs> yeah so so yeah what would your goals be then i guess is, is that something that like you like i know before you're going for your pro card initially you know, your first show you wanted to win then you want to get your pro card then you want to get worlds then you want the redemption because you didn't feel like you'd actually done it what, what's next is it to put on 10 pounds of muscle move into the middleweights or the lightweights and, and win you know the the, the middleweight class What's your, what's your driver? Oh man, I just, my driver is to get my arms to the point where they're actually complemented instead of my legs or my conditioning. So, <laughs> so what, what are you doing for actual, oh, sorry. Um, currently for arms, it's, I'm just specialization. Is it just like putting them early in the workout or hitting them free, hitting them more frequently? Like what, what do you doing specifically? And, and was that kind of like tongue in cheek or is that actually your goal is just to bring bigger arms? And it's like, if nobody compliments you, then it's just a failed prep. <laughs> it's, it, it's a bit self-deprecating and a tongue in cheek, but I, I am specialized. I've always been specializing and emphasizing the upper body. So I have been toying around with a bit of more um, frequency, uh, increasing volume, weekly 
and just actually emphasizing and placing them first within sessions as opposed to training them last after either like a, a back day or a lower day. Mm, yeah. And, and uh, do, do you plan to stay within that weight class or do you have any ambitions of, of moving up to a weight class? Do you think that's possible? What's it like? How far are you away from the next weight class? I believe I'm six pounds under the actual upper limit of the weight class. So honest, I mean, it's bodybuilding, so I do want to improve. So I would love to slowly over time be able to crack that lightweight class and actually be a somewhat competitive, decent lightweight. Mm. Yeah, you'd be obviously at the bottom of the class. But I mean, six pounds is not that far to go considering your, what age are you, 30, 31? Turning 31 in December. So 30, yeah. 30. Yeah. So, so if, you, if you compete as long as Jeff Alberts, you've got 20 more years to gain six pounds of muscle and if you if you can't do that you probably you know you need to change something up i need i need to reassess what i'm doing with my life and yeah. i need to pick up yeah. another hobby yeah but but by that time it'd be 50 anyway so maybe maybe fishing or something like that <laughs> billiards yeah i mean so so for for the 2021 season your goal would be uh, to just repeat what you've done. I mean, um, do you think that you could realistically get to that, get the, those additional six pounds in, in that year or the year and a half that you've had off? Or do you think that's like a more long-term goal? I definitely think it's a more long-term goal. Um, I, did have this, I did have a discussion with Cliff in regards to how I started out my contest prep. And he believes that I, I may have lost a bit of tissue being a bit too aggressive. So I think that I could potentially put on maybe one to two pounds of additional stage weight if I were to compete in 2021 with same conditioning. Mm. What, what was your uh, kind of approach to the last contest prep? I know you were working with Cliff Wilson. Was it like a higher carbohydrate approach with higher protein or was there anything specific like that's kind of out of the ordinary or, or different than what you've experienced before? Uh, prior to Cliff, it was very high carb, low fat, high protein, very um, very aware of step count. And then when I started working with Cliff six weeks out from WMBF Worlds, it was a it was completely different in regards to how I have previously dieted. He was he ended up bringing fat intake up, lowered carbs, reduced cardio and steps. And did you continue to drop body weight, or was that the kind of why was specifically did he do that? Like, did he keep calories the same or did, did, did he give you any reasonings why he was doing that? How did it impact your, your physique or your recovery? Calories were a bit lower. He was, since, since I believe he, just going off memory, I, I believe he said that I had around three to four pounds that we could pull off without running too flat or risking, risking uh, losing any more muscle. And reduced cardio mainly for um, fullness in the legs and then fat intake was brought up in place of carbs due to I believe his reasoning was for um, anxiety levels that he's noticed competitors have when they have such a low fat intake that's interesting I've actually never heard that before so obviously you'd prep pretty much yourself but the whole way up to if you only had three or four pounds to go 
you prepped for yourself for the for all those other shows, right? Yeah, and it was it was mainly just diet and brain. I mean, just diet and brain fatigue, which mm. was the main reason why I decided to hand the keys over to Cliff. I just didn't want to deal with making any of the decisions at that point in time anymore. Yeah, but I, I mean, I saw some photos. I think maybe it was yesterday from you from the was it the WMBF Muscle Mania or I think that might have been or the world sorry not Muscle Mania um, Universe the, the one that you said Mackie beat you. Yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah, Mr. Pro Universe. Yeah, Pro Universe. That that show you were pretty. I mean, you weren't as lean as the worlds, but you were still like very very lean. If you only had three four pounds to go, you'd obviously um, done most of the work yourself. So what what approach did you take to that? Was it just you like you said high protein? Do you have do you have more than a gram per pound of body weight? How do how's your carbs? Do you, do you track your step count? What way did you kind of approach the the overall prep? Leading up to that show, it was um, very high carb because I was very, very pro performance, holding on to performance. But I, I did enter periods of digging or aggressive dieting where I would bring um, overall cut down a little bit. Step count was, I mean, mainly, step count was mainly from work. I was taking anywhere from around 15 to 25,000 steps. And then on top of that, kind of to, continue digging i immaturely would add cardio in to three times weekly that's a lot of uh it's a lot of activity i remember i don't know how you even dealt with twenty five thousand steps i remember that when i was doing twenty thousand a day at the end of my prep i was just exhausted like every day and and it was from the activity not just the diet because the other day i walked similar amount and i was just as exhausted nearly and um, so it's a lot of activity that you do every single day with that, with that, with that job. But I guess it just depends on, on your lifestyle. What, what kind of uh, approach of weight loss were you like, were you trying to hit a percentage every week or like, did you have a weight goal? To, how long did you actually prep for? So at the start of the 2019 season, I did um, map out kind of like a blueprint game plan of goal weights for each month and the rate of loss. Um, I didn't go with a percentage mainly due to being a little bit heavier at the start, but I wanted to take off at least anywhere from 1.1 1. 1 to 2 pounds per week at the initial starting point. And then after that, I reduced the amount of rate of loss per month as my body weight did decrease. And looking back on it, I was way too aggressive at the start. So I went from 180 to around 150, 155, very quick in around, I want to say three months max. And I ended up hanging out around stage condition for way too long of a time. And so I started to implement more diet breaks, more refeeds, just to offset any you know, negative adaptations that could occur. And I believe I ended up shooting myself in the foot in the long run because being, you know, so close to stage weight for a long period of time. Mm. What, what did you notice that, what kind of effect did you notice from being so lean for, for so long? Uh, just holding on to training performance was very, very, very difficult. 
and that's I, I started to notice sleep started to becoming a huge 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 factor I mean I was sleeping maybe two three four hours max per night and do you think that like would you change anything because obviously you were you had a long competitive season so you have to be in stage condition for your multiple shows do you think that was a bad idea or something that you would change in the future or would you implement more kind of breaks in between or do less shows I think taking a much either an aggressive approach at the start and then maintaining or what I might potentially do in 2021 is line up my shows a little bit more close to one another. So I'm not competing in August, September, and then November. Yeah. I think that's something that I would look at as well. It's unfortunate that the, the world is like at the end of the year, but I guess it has to be that way because all the other shows are essentially qualifiers. But like, for me, I, I would love to do the Muscle Mayhem again, but I don't know if I could like do a July show and then really bring my best in a November show, um, which kind of sucks. It would be better if it was like July and September or something like that, or the Mayhem show was like September or something like that. But uh, that's just the way it is. I can only imagine people who do like April shows and, you know, and qualify for it. Like, what, what do you do? Like, do you take a... I don't, do you, yeah. I don't know how people do that. I mean... It used to be, I guess, the cool thing to do, but just in regards to the physique that you're actually presenting, it just makes peaking that much more difficult, maintaining fullness. I mean, especially if you're, you know, stage, stage conditioned. Mm. Yeah. So, so final question for you, Brett. Um, what, what advice would you give to, say, people who are, like, looking to compete but are maybe, like, a little bit smaller? I don't mean smaller, like, height, but... Uh, I know that when I was looking back in your uh, pictures, like, or when I followed you back in the day on, on the, on the forums, you were like, you were like a smaller bodybuilder. Um, even if you, you can still see some photos, like if you, if you were to say like genetically blessed, like Alberto Nunez had a very good physique. He was fairly big up top from when he was younger, but it seems like you've actually come out on top in terms of, I know it's not really compare. You're not really comparing yourself, but in terms of your accolades in bodybuilding, you're the only world champion out of all the people on the boards, as far as I'm aware. Maybe the maybe the few others had a maybe a few others had a had a had a, a log as well. But I'm pretty sure none of the others who are actually world champions ever had a, a bodybuilding.com forum log. So there's another kind of you know accolade to your your collection. That's weird to think of. I didn't even wow. I will always consider Berto up here. In, in regards to human being competitor that's i mean that was my role model growing up so. so yeah so so like what advice would you have for like smaller bodybuilders or like people who are like i'm not going to say you had like average genetics because obviously you don't but uh like let's say like in your upper body like you brought that up a lot from when you were younger as you can see in, in the in the photos etc and people often get disheartened for thinking like on oh, no, i don't have genetics like you know maki or uh Bab babakar or baba or whatever so like that i'm not going to do any there's no point to me even bodybuilding or competing or like almost shooting themselves in the foot before they ever even start prepping what are your kind of what's your advice for those people uh, realize why you're actually 
pursuing bodybuilding and understand that it is delayed gratification at its finest. And for smaller bodybuilders out there that are, you know, dealing with subpar or maybe above average genetics like myself, I don't consider myself to be a genetic elite, but I wear my heart on my sleeve in regards to work ethic and just going into every session, giving up my all and kind of just seeing the process over time when you do invest. But in regards to smaller framed individuals that might not be big or say a bantamweight, I would heavily emphasize posing and being able to actually present your physique to its fullest because at the end of the day, it's all an illusion. So my 145 pound frame up against a 180 pound person, I'm never going to win in sheer size, but I can create that, you know, illusion that I might be a little bit bigger or more symmetrical. And then just surrounding yourself with bright minded people. Mm. Yeah, I think that's like posing is so important um, in terms of just your ability to to show off what you have or potentially hide what you don't have. I think that you know goes a it goes a really long way in terms of like your return on investment in bodybuilding. It's just being able to pose properly. Oh no, big time! And I I I can't thank Jeff Alberts enough to teaching me you know how to pose and present myself as a smaller person. Mm. Do you think that like as a smaller bodybuilder, like there's some, there's like differences that you should focus on versus bigger bodybuilders, like in terms of either posing or muscle parts or, or emphasizing certain things? I think you definitely have to work with this, your structure, so to say, but I also believe that uh, for a smaller individual, they might have to lean on conditioning a bit more as opposed to people that are more predisposed to being, you know, genetically gifted in muscle. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, Kendall who won the WMBF worlds, he wasn't like elite conditioning levels, but the guy just, his muscle bellies are just like Phil heat esque. Um, so, you know, there's only so much you can, you can do and control yourself. If somebody shows, if he got shredded, he would just never, ever be beaten. Um, but, I guess, you know, it, it just, just depends on the individual. So, uh, so yeah, thank you so much, man, for coming on. It's, it's been really great to chat to you again. Uh, hopefully we, we see you up on stage soon. I know the whole kind of like, situation going on over there is, is difficult uh, as well as like you've got personal kind of things that you want to focus on first, but, um, but yeah, I really look forward to seeing you uh, on stage again to defend your title um maybe 2021 and, and if not 2022 when uh we can perhaps compete at, a, at one of the same shows again once again thank you man no definitely and hope to see you again uh future worlds as well yeah me too um i, I don't know man i mean the last worlds well, last year it was just it was so long uh that like i don't know if i uh I really enjoyed enjoyed a bodybuilding show that long. It was like almost like twenty four hours long. Um, but uh, where can people find you? Uh, find out more information about you. What what are you up to these days? Where can they find out like what you're doing? Um, you know, what's your social media profile, etc. Yeah, my uh, Instagram handle is at bathtub b a f t u b, and then for coaching service inquiries is uh, 
at ATP Performance. Awesome, man. And uh, where did that name Bathtub come from? It sounds like you're saying Bathtub. Uh, funny story. So my original handle on the bodybuilding.com forums was Reflex. And I just so happened to always take pictures in my bathroom. And my, my initials are BAF, Brett Anthony Freeman, and Bathtub. Oh. So did somebody say to you, you should, you should call yourself bathtub or did you come up with that yourself? Uh, I think it was a combination of both. Maybe I, I'm not that smart. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely the most uh, unique story. I think because I've heard of other ones like Jeff Alberts, his was just his name backwards. Like uh, Paul Ravella was like his, I think it was like, because he was from Florida and he's tall and <laughs> his name is Paul. Um, but your one's definitely unique because, you know, battle Brett. <laughs> anyway, dude, it was great to chat to you and uh, I, I look forward to uh, chatting to you again. Thank you, man. Me too. Thanks for having me on.